All right, guys. Hey, welcome back. We're, I think this is episode 11. We have Brooke Entz in the studio today. So thank you for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. We've been able to jam a little bit before and just kind of get to know each other better because this is our first time actually meeting, which um, it's funny because we're actually related yeah. somewhere down cousins. the line. Yeah, third, fourth <laughs> cousins, but both being from Santa Clara, your grandma was a Googler. Yep. And so, yeah, we're definitely like this. And we're... The biggest reasons why I agreed to do the podcast is because you're a Googler. Heck and I'm like, you know what? I don't do a lot. I'm from here and I don't do much in my own that's cool city that's cool because so. it's funny because I feel the same way like there's something about like that southern Utah Santa Clara tie that I feel uh the same way like you feel a little bit of like I don't know it's not it's not like obligation it's more of just like it's me, part it's of you heritage and nostalgia. yeah 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 it's yeah. nostalgia it's like it's a fun thing like you want to be a part of it you love it and your parents like felt the same way so that's cool. Yeah. Super pumped to have you on. And this is a person that is super, super successful in a lot of different areas and has performed at a high level in a lot of things. Like you've gotten to a high level in a lot of things that a lot of people dream about um, being like one of the top. You won two games. You got to the games. I went to the games in 2015. You won two I, events. I won the snatch ladder and this, um, the speed snatch ladder and then max clean and jerk. That's crazy. Like a lot of people. Yeah. Like I said, like people anywhere in the country listening to this that do CrossFit are like, holy crap, like it, just to get to the games is insane. Yeah. And then to win two events, like that's that's crazy. So not only that, but she's got businesses in the works. She's got a successful business that's already up and running. You've got a lot of things going on. So pumped to be able to dive into those things and really just add value to people that, that know you. Like you, you've, what do you have? Like 1.5 million followers on Instagram, I think is what I checked last. Yes, it, it's an ebb and flow. Yeah, it was like, it, it's up and down. I, <laughs> you you learn as you start to have more people that follow you. the The swing is a lot greater. Huh. But I stopped caring about algorithms and all the things pertaining to social media a long time ago. It's, it's an it's an invisible race that you can never win. I love that. And if you try to win it, you're just going to be a kind of an asshole, probably. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of truth to that too. Like you have to be authentically yourself, and you definitely are a person that is like the same. I feel like on Instagram and on camera, and then meeting you here today is like, yeah, it's the same. Yeah. Same Brooke. Um, I do get that a lot. Which every time someone through the years, every time someone says that, like you're exactly who I thought you'd be. That makes me. It's a compliment. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Because it means that you're being authentic and that's what it's all about. You don't feel like you have to live two different lives. It's exhausting if you do. Yeah, I wouldn't want to either, for sure. So, I mean, diving into it, you grew up in Southern Utah. What do you feel like? I mean, this is maybe a loaded question, but let's just start here. <laughs> like, what do you feel like? Was it your parents? Was it an experience? A couple experiences? Was it sports? Like, what gave you the drive that you have today to be able to go and do things at a high level? My parents, for sure. Um, all my siblings, my, my parents were athletes. My mom, my dad, my, all my siblings were athletes. Um, I am the only one out of my siblings that has started in so many businesses and yeah. was doing entrepreneur stuff before I would have ever even called myself that. Yeah. Um, but my both my parents were business owners. Yep. Um, incredibly dedicated and hardworking tough was your mom part of the ents homes was your dad i think sold out at one point my dad just retired um i guess now it'd be two years okay he's still involved okay he's not in the, the home building yeah but your mom no my, it's, it's my dad yeah she my mom um she's done a lot of different things makes wedding cakes birthday cakes nice. caters but she owned a bagel store called schnagel's bagels yeah for a long time cool and she is a 
My mom's way cooler than me. <laughs> she is. Every time I, I meet people, are they, you know, I always let them know. I'm like, oh, man, if my mom was here, you'd love her way more than that. <laughs> but, yeah, I think it's just been in my DNA, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think about, I grew up, I'm the youngest of four. Okay. My brother's the oldest. And I've got two sisters. And I always wanted to be just like right there with my dad and my brother. Yeah. And we all played sports. We were all super active. My parents, we did a lot of, so much stuff outdoors growing up. And very competitive yeah. family. Yeah, I can get that about you, yeah, for sure. So, you know, when you... But answers in general are that way. Oh, yeah. I mean, even your cousin Kate that I hang out with, if you ever listen to this, like, he can seem chill, but like he's competitive, for sure. Oh. I play pickleball with them and then you go to the lake or whatever, even... Even like wake surfing, like she'd be the best. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Kate, I love you. Listen <laughs> this, but anyway, no exes are competitive. But, yeah, competitive, and um, it's not fun to not be good at something. Yeah, you know, and I, and you, you learn a lot of things as you grow up and go through things and um, get better at yeah. being a good competitor or get better at being a good human. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah, yeah. So. I've just, I've always been someone who always wants to do everything. And I don't mean that in a way to like pat myself on the back. Yeah. Um, growing up, I remember one year for my birthday, I don't know how old I was, maybe like 13 or 12 or something like that. And my parents, my dad had got me a birthday card and it's one of those singing ones. He opened it and sings a song. Yeah. And it sang the song, I Want It All. Can, My parents used to tell me all the time, like, Brooke, can you can sing it for us right now? Just give I, it. Want it all. <laughs> I want it all. I don't know if I know that song. Really? No, I don't think I do. Uh. I yeah, anyway, <laughs> they gave you a card that said, I want it all. Yes, because it's a joke. My, I mean, growing up, I, I, um, I played soccer, I played softball, I danced. I danced, I did gymnastics, I swam on the uh. swim team. I really wanted to do, I really wanted to do karate, never did that. Uh. I wanted a barrel race real bad. I'm deathly allergic to horses growing up and still allergic, but now is the time that I'm taking the time to become a cowboy. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. Ranching with my dad and got a new horse in, um, we have horses. I've had them all grown up. I got, I got a new horse around in December and I'm learning to train her and the goal is I want to show, do reigning awesome. horses. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's the newest, um, obsession. That's cool. And now I'm trying to, I'm, I'm constantly hearing, you know, uh, friends of mine and like, you know, you could call them in, they're not my mentors, but you could call them kind of mentors too. Just like focus, Brooke. Yeah. <laughs> focus. Yeah. Laser focus. Like on someone. one thing. Yeah. Cause I am someone who it's like, I, I try to do everything. Yeah. And, and I get it done, but then you have, you know, moments where you just are, uh, exhausted yeah and just trying to hang on and you know you're not not thriving you're just surviving yeah well i think it's interesting because you maybe we can go back here for just a second like you're talking about your mom and your mom had a lot of things going like all i know about your dad is it was like and homes right like you're pretty focused for work for work mm -hmm. yeah for work that's a good point but your mom had sounds like a bunch of different things always doing something but then I think it's interesting that you really highlighted, like, my mom is way awesome. Like, I look up to my mom. If you met my mom, you'd be like, well, she's way cool. Oh, I do. And she, how, why do you feel that way? Like, what, what, 
I mean, we didn't really dive into that. You kind of like went past it, but like, what are the attributes that you feel like you learned from her that you, I mean, obviously like, sounds like you have your hands in a lot of things, but like, what else? Well, and I will say this too. I am just like my dad. And I never knew that through the last, I don't know, like the last, I mean, I know that because obviously you're, you know, there's the joke in, even just in conversation of like, as you get older and you're like, you, maybe you do something that your mom or your dad used to do all the time and now you're the one doing it, right? Or you're saying it. Yeah. Something in response to a situation, you're like, oh my gosh, I never wanted to do that. I never wanted to be like, respond like that or do that, have like this one tick and it's exactly like yes. my mom. Yes. Um, I am just like my dad, which I love. Uh-huh. I think that my dad is just the greatest man ever. Yeah. And I felt the same way about my grandpa, my dad's dad. I never knew my mom's daddy died when I was two. And I wish that I knew him. He, all you ever hear from my siblings, from people, relatives, but also just people, seeing his praises. And he was just, you know, same as my grandpa, but like hardworking, you know, um, a good old boy. Mm-hmm. Can fix anything with a roll of duct tape, yeah. my dad. And dependable and honorable and virtuous and so many qualities that people do not have anymore and i stand behind that statement they do not have them and i think it's because you're being raised with such a comfortable easy life yeah you know and i cannot remember the saying in fact i should look it up but it's a you know hard times make hard men hard men make easy times easy times make you know all the whole it's just repeats yeah Mm -hmm. yeah but my mom is the ultimate caretaker she is she she got us everywhere my parents with me and my four siblings we were all very active and very busy my parents would put us in anything that we wanted to do wanted to try sport whatever um but the second you weren't in 100 percent, they ripped you out and my parents worked multiple jobs you know we were i'm the youngest so i'm the one who probably saw the least amount of like really what it what it's like to not have a lot and i didn't think of it as that right i remember going to school and all the kids are like oh you you know, making jokes about how much money I probably live in a mansion because I'm an ins. And I'm like, I don't, you know, it's so annoying. It's like, yeah. am I supposed to? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. no. We have I got some now. of that too. I got some of that too. And my family was not that way yeah, at no. all. I was like, I've always made, you know, sorry, had a stroke just now. Um, <laughs> when I've had people that have, like an ex of mine, have had something to say, like entitlement, like, oh, you're, you know, the whole white right. privilege thing. And it's like, so annoying because you know i'd always come back at like my parents had nothing right my parents they talk about and now i now we're trying to work we're, we're starting a garden but my parents for the longest time they ate what they picked out of the garden yeah you know they my dad milked the cow every day and they had kids and they worked and they and they got the kids that we we never there was never anything that we didn't get to try but we had we didn't get to do it if we weren't in it hundred percent. You know, it was definitely a great way, I think, to that, just that let alone, I think, taught me a lot subconsciously of yeah. how to attack things that I want. Yeah. I love that. You know, and that's so sweet. And if you're not in it, then get out of it because yeah. you're, you know, one foot in, one foot out. It's not going to be great. You're not going to be great. Yeah. So what led to CrossFit? I mean, like, you, you know, I, I don't know why everybody gets into CrossFit, maybe different reasons. People want to, some people want to get in shape or stronger for another sport or whatever, yeah. but what was it for you? 
Um, for me, I was, so I was, I went to the University of Utah. I was a modern dance major and I have always been very athletic. I, you know, I went through a lot of mental growth for my own self-esteem. I was, um, I wouldn't call it bullying, but I was teased a lot from a pretty young age for how muscular I was, like biceps and things like that. And I would go home and cry and cry. My mom would be like, there is jealous. You know, she would do her best to like, <laughs> like just Cheer raise you up. up, yeah, yeah. But you know, from a young age, I I felt like God must have made a mistake on me, huh? You know, and and it's and and kids are mean, you know. Yeah. That's just and and I've I you know everything you go through is for a reason. It's a it's a learning experience. You have to learn and evolve and understand. And and I definitely did that through the years. And it's it's a lifelong journey that we're on. But I was at the University of Utah, and I um, was invited to come aud- to audition for La Rev. I don't even know if it's still going on, but it's like a Cirque du Soleil type show down okay. in Las Vegas. Yeah, and I was going to be doing that, and it was for, you know, I didn't really know what they'd have me doing. Um, probably would be doing a lot of. It's not just one type of dance, so it was actually a ballroom audition. But I didn't know if we would be doing like more gymnastics type stuff and. Um, because they do that. Yeah. Climbing ropes and skin the cats and all kinds of different things that I hadn't been doing. And so I was in town here because I went, I lived in Salt Lake and I was a friend of mine, can't remember who, sorry, forget names constantly, <laughs> had mentioned a new gym that had opened up and that they could probably help me prepare. Get ready. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was Dixie CrossFit. Yeah. When they were, they were brand new, tiny little, it was actually, um, right next to my old dance studio, but it was this tiny little gym. And I went in there and did a, was just like one-on-one and we tried some different things to, you know, get me ready. And then I went back the next day and did a class, killed me. And I moved to LA that summer um, for dance. And I'd found a gym out there, but I could not afford it. So I didn't get into it until I went back to Salt Lake for school and a gym had opened. It was you, CrossFit, and with Tommy Hackenbrook, and probably means nothing to a lot of people that are listening, but he is was a monster. Yeah. Tommy Hackenbrook is an OG CrossFitter. He played football with Alex Smith at University of Utah. Yeah, yeah. Incredible athlete, incredible mental toughness, and he that was my true introduction into CrossFit. Um, and that's how it started, and for me. Something that I loved about CrossFit was being so physically built. You know, I was always, still am, but I was, I was, uh, you don't fit in many places. Yeah. You could, but you know, people are mean. So, and in dance, I mean, that's all I wanted to do was like be on Broadway or dance. And um, I knew all of, all of the um, dance companies I could never dance for purely based, purely because of how I looked. Because of my physique, yeah. my build. Yeah. And doing CrossFit, it was like the first time that no one cared. No one cares how you look. You know, no one cared how I looked. They care about you the care about your performance. You. Yeah. You know, it's it's impressive. You get it done. And yeah. your physique is a result of your work. It's not, you know, within CrossFit, I you would have people be like, Oh my god, you look so amazing. Like I wanna I wanna be strong, but like I don't wanna look like you. And I always be like, Oh, you won't. First of all, this takes way too much work. <laughs> you really have to want it. 
But you know, can I, can I say this though? I have to say this because I've I've talked to a few people, and um, there's a lot of women that have that have mentioned like Brooke's physique is something that I do want. It's not so far bodybuilder where she's just like you know traps on traps and huge like just steroid nasty huge, mm-hmm. but it's an athletic functional body type that looks really pretty and really good and it's like that's a compliment and i've gotten that from so many people i've heard that too um there's a lot of women they're like i wish i could get what brooke has and a lot of women you're right like it, it would either take them forever or they'll just never get there well, and you know, for me, I hate to say that. No, it's true. It's true. But it's true. <laughs> it's true. And like what I would always, you know, come back with is like, oh, you don't worry about that. You know, a lot of women that are scared of weight training, it's because they, it's almost as if they think if they just touch a weight, they're going to get huge. And it's like, man, that would be nice. You know, like you wouldn't take a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be so nice if it wouldn't take a lot. But I've, I'm smaller than I was when I was competing. I'm about, um, Come on, Angela. You step- 12 pounds lighter. I know you stepped on the scale this morning. You know exactly what it is. Oh, I know what I weigh now. <laughs> yeah. So like, 12 pounds, but... Lighter. But I also, I had surgery. Muscle. Mm-hmm. 12 pounds of muscle is a lot. Especially for a woman, that's a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, my my, my shoulders were bigger. Yeah. Um, I wish that they were still bigger. From my spinal fusion, I had so much atrophy happened. And then, you know, little labrum, te- like different tears and things in my shoulders. I actually did... Um, Stem cell, stem cell injections after I competed in 2018. That was my first time competing back after surgery. I had surgery in 2017, March 31st, 2017. And I came out of the competition and there were some events that were announced that I was petrified of because I knew how hard, how, how um, almost impossible they would be. It was the first year they had the handstand walk um, mm. ramp with the stairs. Yeah. Then you do different paths and you go back and forth, back and forth. But for me, my left shoulder subluxes. And since I had lost so much muscle mass, the stability was not as good. Mm-hmm. So I popped my shoulder out a few times trying to get ready for regionals. And then after the competition weekend, I couldn't, my right arm was actually the worst, probably from overcompensating. I couldn't even put my hand above my head. So I did stem cell injections after that. And then there was a whole bunch of weirdness happening with the company in and of itself that I then decided like, okay, I'm not going to risk my the health of my body for a season that may not happen. And that was in the end of 2018. So it was for 2019. And I didn't compete 2019. And then 2020, I was invited to the West Coast Classic. That was... Um, now, at that point, you know, it was the whole new format of how you qualify, which I'm not a fan of. But I also, I've also never done it. It might be a lot more enjoyable than it than I perceive it. I just loved the old format so much. I loved regionals. Yeah. Um, I thought regionals were fantastic because most people will never go to the CrossFit Games. But if they go to regionals, it's like it's like a mini CrossFit Games, you know. Um, and I just. I said, okay, I'll do it. The West Coast Classic. They invited all the past champions of the California Regional. So I was asked to compete at it and I agreed. And then I was training for that. And then because of COVID, that got canceled. 2020? 2020. Man, it's all a blur. Yeah, three years ago. Just a mess. Yep. Still a mess. Yep. It doesn't even feel like that long ago to me. I know. <laughs> yeah. But 
that's like a big like that surgery was like a the, I mean that is the reason I'd stopped competing yeah. and um now the amount of work I in pain the amount of work I would have to put in because I like I went to a support a friend of mine who qualified and did a semifinal and it was her first time as an individual so I went and I haven't been hadn't been to a competition since 2019 and Ran and didn't tell anybody I was going. I didn't even, and I don't. I'm not even sure like what semifinals are. Right? I haven't been to one, so I'm like I didn't even know who's gonna be there. Yeah. I got there and I saw so many of my just really good friends and people that I spent a lot of time with, which was really cool. And then you know all the people they're like, oh my gosh, you know, taking pictures and when are you coming back? We miss you. And I'm like, I'm not. And they're like, why? And I'm like, because <laughs> like I would on one end I would love to compete again. You get the question like, do you ever miss it? I do yeah but in all reality what it would take for me to do that again I would have to get rid of everything yeah I mean not just like business wise but like time spent with my family time spent with you know other like certain people or doing certain things that are really impactful or important like what I'm doing with um, AJ Richards for uh from the farm yeah it's actually what the app we called and so on one hand, yes, I miss it, and I, I I loved it, and I I do miss competing, but on the other, it would be so stupid of me if that's what I I chose to do with my time, no. especially because yeah. for me, when I really decided like okay, I'm not competing anymore, it's because I love to try new things, I love to play sports, I love to be active. Why do you think you like that? Do you like starting at the bottom and getting to the top, or what is it? No, it's, I just, I mean, I'm not doing those things like to be the best at them, but I just like to do them. I like to be able to play with my nieces and nephews. Like, like is there a certain go to this? I like to go snowboarding and just, you know, just launch off like a kicker, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's just euphoric for you to do it's just, stuff. It's fun. Yeah. yeah, it's fun to, and like, I don't need to. That's be, what makes you feel alive and fulfilled. Well, like, I don't need to be the best at it. Now, certain things I do. Yeah. You know, I have a couple things that I'm... Well, I love the, I love the saying that, it, like, some people say, like, how you do one thing is how you do everything, and I think BS. How you do one thing you care about is how you do everything you care about. So, yeah. like, there's certain things that you care about, and and that's what I notice about you, and I want to point this out to the listeners, and maybe I have a question with this, too, is that the things that you care about, you do at a high level, for sure. And you can, like, I, I call it, like, somebody's on switch. Mm-hmm. Like, there's people that have, like, a dial where it's like, it's sometimes like somewhere in the on and off and like for you it's on or off like it's if it's on it's on at a high level and that's just you that like is that from your parents is that from that's just how they were that's just that yeah that's just uh you're just on all the time that's in that is that's uh in our blood yeah and you mentioned it like if you're not all in in karate well you never did karate but like in dance or whatever it's like we're pulling you out and so it taught you, like, hey, I'm all in. Answers are in. We're all in. We're in. Right? Mm-hmm. So now you have a lot of things. And I have no doubt, like, people like you, if you care about something, you're putting your energy somewhere where that energy flows, it's going to, like, blossom and grow. Because don't you think there's, like, once you perform at a high level in anything, it's like you kind of know the hack of, like, if I want to do this here, I know how to do it. Yeah, I think to a certain extent. Because if, if we're going to talk about even... Uh, like millionaires, right? When I when I realized, and it took me, I couldn't understand it. Like when I realized that someone like you, 
they say you become a millionaire. Well, now I'd be like a billionaire because a million dollars is <laughs> chump change. Yeah. It's really nothing. It's a lot easier than it used to be. Yeah. But like to do that, there are people that, that are entrepreneurs that will make and lose millions all the time because it's a gamble. You have to take a risk and it doesn't always work out, you know, but when you know how to do it, they do it again and they do it again and they do it again because they know how. Now they might be, you know, a lot of things they have to learn. You have to learn along the way. It's like me going and trying to do something new. Got to learn a lot of new stuff, but you know what it takes, at least out of your energy, your mindset and, you know, dedication and drive really to do that. Um, that also doesn't mean that within that journey, there's not an ebb and flow because life happens and, and you deal with stuff and you have to figure it out. And then you know, I'm talking to my nieces and nephews, got 12 of them. Nice. And I'm always telling them, you know, they, I want a cell phone. And I'm like, stop trying to grow up. Yeah. I'm like, you have no idea how shitty it is. <laughs> I was so grateful. I've talked to my friends about this, that I didn't have a, a smartphone in high school. Yeah, I had, I'm so glad. I wish. My first cell phone I got when I was probably like 13. But it wasn't a be- smartphone. No. Right. I had a razor. It was a- yeah, I had a razor when I, like, well, it was my, like, my mom's or my dad's and let me use it. Mm-hmm. Right. But that would be 15 or something like that. Yeah. My I'm talking like. A, my mom got me a phone because I was at dance. I was, I danced. Yeah. That's why I did. And like late at night. And so she wanted, she just wanted to be able to get a, call me, get a hold of me. So your, yeah. your child is away and it's dark out and she's still at dance and just trying to, you know, be a good parent. Yeah. But. But a huge difference. Have, the younger ones have the Gab watch. Oh, yeah. yeah. And now. They have a lot more restrictions. But like my little niece, she is 12. Yeah. And she takes, she won't wear it. She'll like leave it in her backpack because it's, she's, it's like not cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, man. There you know that. Yeah. Crazy. I heard, I heard some people talking the other day that there was the three and four year olds were having like iPhones. Like, seriously? That's well, so you, crazy. The argument too, you know, if you tried to, the future, the future is digital. Right. So if you mm. with your kids, if you don't let them have the iPad or, you know, you try to restrict them uh, completely from tech, you're really doing them a disservice. Now, I really feel for a while I could uh, I could see that point. I could see it. Mm. Man, you are doing them a disservice by getting them on there. You know, I like growing up was hard for me. School was hard when I was young. School was hard when you were young. Kids. Mm. And just like, you know, the drama and, and the, the crap you have to deal with and teenagers and angst and all the things. It's like 50, 100 times worse. And so I, I hear things that my nieces and nephews deal with at school and I'm just like, what? Yeah. What is going on? You know, and it, it I know how I felt about my body growing up. Um, and it, t- and a long, it took me a long time to get over it. Like a long time, not to get over it, to um, embrace it. Yeah, like you know, and, and enjoy the fact that I look like nobody else. Yeah, and love that about myself versus being almost embarrassed and shy and uncomfortable because I stood out too much. Right. Yeah. Kids are learning at a very young age to hate themselves. Yeah. And they are the younger you have them on a phone or on the internet, 
and, you know, spending way too much time on the television and not being outside, enjoying life and and experiencing life that way. It's like you are you are you are training them to look to someone else constantly for gratification. Yes. yes. To tell them, you know, what they should wear, what they should eat, what they should look like, how their hair should be. If they're pretty, if they're ugly, if they're fat, if they're skinny, it's like I mean, it's con- it's it's just it's mind blowing, and I know that a lot, a probably a massive amount of people feel the same way, and it's it sucks that because the entertainment industry will just will just say that they run it. Yeah, you know, um, I hate the Kardashians. Um, maybe I wouldn't if I knew if they are in, if they're you know better in person than they are. Yeah. How they come across. You know yeah. But for in, just like an example is, you know, they were, their look was always very curvy and voluptuous. And now that became, right? Uh, that became beautiful and not just being real thin. Growing up, it was like being about smaller. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, curvy and all these things. And now look at them. Everyone on the, on the Ozempic train. Now they're real thin. Yeah. And it's all just come back. And it's like the, the back and forth that happens in, Hollywood, in media, in celebrities, we that's not realistic. And yet, even though we can know it's not realistic, you will subconsciously try and keep up. Yeah. And that is, it's just exhausting. And mental health, uh, I have dealt with my own stuff. And so I know what an absolute nightmare it is to get through it. Yeah. And to overcome it and to be better for it. And so I get, man, I get on a soapbox these days about certain <laughs> topics because of my nieces and nephews. Yeah. Not because of me. Oh. Because I, I see things that are going on and I, man, I just want them to have a, you know, a, a really beautiful, happy life. And so I think, you know, I moved home, sold my house in, in Santa Cruz and moved home October of 21. And Prior to moving home, I had just bought a house out there, a new one, and some things, you know, things changed, and I made, I need to make some quick decisions, and, but I had been planning on splitting my time. Once I stopped competing, I'm like, I'm going to split my time. I need to be home. Um, and then I moved home, so I'm home all the time. Yeah. But I'm trying to, like, make up time, too, especially, like, the younger ones, because the, yeah. my older nieces and nephews that are, you know, 17, 18, yeah. uh, I, I was not around a lot for a while they were growing up i mean i was home i'd come home but i could only afford to come home once a year maybe twice a year so now i now i live at home <laughs> well i think this is so cool because like here you are and you have all the success but now like one of the things that you're saying i think is what fulfills you is giving back oh yes to your nieces and nephews and your family which i think is cool but um like just hearing you talk about all of that, I completely agree. I, I remember when I was in high school, um, maybe middle school, I had a, a mentor, I'll call him. He, he kind of just asked me a question privately. He's like, how much of what you do every single day, what you, what you wear, the words you say that come out of your mouth, how you say them, like if it's trendy, like all of that stuff, the, the shoes, the clothes, the whatever you have, like, you know, foot phones weren't cool, you know, like the, she won't wear the gab watch. Like how much of that is what you want other to per, others to perceive you as or and how much of it is because you like it? 
And I went through and I was shocked. It's probably 15. And I was like, it was almost 100% others. What I wanted others to see me as. Mm-hmm. If I was really being honest and true to myself. So it's funny because I've remembered this recently. And now we're talking about it right here. And I, I even think this now, like how much of what I do and the things that I have and what I wear, is it because I like it? And I think sometimes we get lost in that too. It's like, I don't know. Do I, do I really like it? Yeah. Do I like it? I don't know. I mean, I kind of like it. I think so. But is it because I see that that, that that guy liked it first? And maybe it's a little blurred because like sometimes we need to see yeah. that it's possible or that yeah. somebody likes it. And it's like, oh, I want to try it too. Oh, yeah, I do like it. So it gets a little like confusing. Yeah, there's a lot of gray area. Yeah. But um, I think like with my like my kids, um, I just, my family's very close. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm extremely close with my parents. I love my siblings. And it's crazy because like for me, it was the normal, which is probably the normal for you. And I don't know if it's because of where we were raised or how we were raised or the fact that our family settled this area and there was such a tight-knit community because it had to be. It had to be. Starting life in a whole new place. Everybody relied on everybody for stuff. You know, the conversation of like what my grandpa, the things that my grandpa and uh, my family did for the city um, compared to like the Fries or or the Hafens or the Gooblers, everyone had a role to play. Yep. You know, my family built things. My grandpa built homes, built buildings, brought in radio, brought in television, like built these things, right? And then you have the families that they did all the cattle. Yeah. Families that did, like the fries had fruit market. We had, you know, everyone had- My grandpa was Rocky Mountain produce. So he brought in produce from California. He delivered it all over like Las Vegas, California, and he made trips back. Yeah. And my my dad's first job out of high school, I love when he tells me, I love hearing stories from my dad. Mm -hmm. Just- I do too. And like the old, the old G, yeah, Yeah, the old old G stories, yeah. But so my dad, my grandpa had, they had a feed mill and my, my dad ended up running the feed mill. That was his first, his big job. And then from there, him and his brothers bought my grandpa, my uncle and their cousin out of Enns Construction. So Enns Construction has been in business for, um, uh, high sixties years. And he was telling me, he said, you know, he, he graduated high school. And my grandpa would go gold panning and he'd be gone for like weeks. It could be weeks at a time. (laughs) He was going, you know, they're going gold panning. And, um, my dad had graduated and he needed to, he, he put him in charge of running the feed mill. And it's just funny because, you know, he said, you know, how my grandpa, how he handled things is he didn't teach you anything. Mm. You learned. And my dad laughed because he's like, man, I I wish you, you know, I, could have just told me a couple things yeah. before he left. But, I mean, that's what his job was. He ran, he ran the feed mill and doing the deliveries and grain and picking things up. And, you know, he said, can you imagine Lakin doing that? My nephew. Yeah. When he graduated high school, and I was like, no. Yeah. There is not. I shouldn't say there is not because there are. Because, you know, there are families that are still, you know, not still, depending on where you live. Yeah. You know, you're out. Uh, corn fed, kind of, you know, like just that. And they're not corn fed, but if you know what that, that kind of means, yep. you know, that they are very capable. Tough. And yeah. tough. Um, and that's how I was raised. And that's the kind of men and women I was around. Yep. And 
the men, here's the thing about between my mom and my dad. My dad's side of the family, um, I would say typical in terms of duties, male, female. Yeah. Um, now as an, you know, <laughs> 33, I turned 34 in August, I am more understanding of the importance of playing the like the feminine role, you know, the the home duties and child duties and all these things. And I think it is extremely important and it is a arguably the most important job that anyone could have, right? You're raising the future. Um, but when I was growing up, I just wanted to be like my dad so much, still do. And my mom's a very tough cookie. Mm-hmm. And um I remember I would get so upset. Like we'd do family trips and we'd do like Lake Powell trips. And I remember like the end of the end of the trip, you know, we're cleaning everything up, like whole family. And they'd want all my aunt would be like, you know, all the I wanted all the girls in the houseboat cleaning. And I'd be like, No. I wanted to be out digging. I wanted to dig up uh anchors. I wanted to be putting stuff away. I want to be doing anything physical. Yeah. Just like boys. Yep. And that's very much like my mom. And I just wanted to be just like my dad. And now I am. Yeah. The good and the bad. <laughs> <laughs> the good and the bad. I love it. And I, I agree with you on the woman part. I just spent three days. My wife went up for her sister's wedding and she went. And it was the first time I was seven month old. It was my first time with all three kids for three days by myself. How was it? Trying to work and take care of the kids. It was hell. I bet. It was so hard. And I do get, and my wife, you know, we both are like, yeah, you're trying to do both. It is, but I tried as much as I could to just put work away. And I'm going to be honest, like, I didn't work that much. I kept things together, but it wasn't like I was working, like, full day. Mm-hmm. But just to try it, I, this is how I put it with my wife, is like, it's like you have stoves that are hot with pots on them upstairs and the main floor and downstairs. <laughs> and they're boiling over. And this is what three kids like, are like. And it's go? like you're running up and you're trying to put that one out. And then you go to the middle and you go to the, and you, you just have to keep running up and down the stairs. And it Exhausting. never stops. No, it doesn't. I, oh my gosh, my, my <laughs> little niece is the cutest thing. She is a absolute wildcat. Yeah. And she's two. And I told my sister today, um, you know, I said, you know, I look at her and I think, I think I want to have one of those. And then she has like throws a fit and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can handle it. But I'm, I mean, I'm around the kids all the time and watch them. And it is a full-time job. It is. It is. I mean. And I've respected it now way more now that I've had that experience is like, and not that I didn't before. I don't want to say that or sound that way at all. I did. No, I, I but you, when you feel it. Until you really understand it. Yeah. It's it's, it's different. Mm-hmm. And I texted my wife while she was up there. She was like, oh my gosh, we're like, are you okay? I'm hoping you're okay. And I texted her and I said, you're like, I know what this feels like now. You take a break. Don't even worry about it. You need one. Yeah. Like you need a break. That's what my response was like, you need a break. So take it. Like take your break. Because it is crazy. But I think that's so cool. I mean, I, obviously like diving in to I think these podcasts are so cool because I really get to know people at a different level and like mm-hmm. what what makes you tick and there's not a lot of people that I meet that are so like down to earth like you are but like these are my values this is what was and I vibe with that like really hard too um but I have a question too that's maybe a little bit off from this and I want to ask it because if there's a young girl that's listening to this podcast or a young a young boy like 
middle school, high school, or just like they have dreams. They have aspirations of doing something great. You've performed at a high level in a lot of different areas, in business, in athletics. Give them something. Give them, what could you tell them? Like A, B, C, D, here's the recipe. What do they need to have today in order to be successful? Hey. Well, obviously it would depend on what they were trying to do. I think that, you know, some people will tell you, like, you can do whatever you put your mind to. That's just not true. Mm. Um, Yeah, dive into that because that is something that's said a lot, so I'm curious to know your opinion on that. Well, no matter how, well, let me pick an athletic sport. Um, Okay. As much as I, as much as I could have, I wanted to be um, like a contor- con- contortionist because in dance, you know, flexibility. Yeah. I was flexible, yeah. and I was. That's why if within sport, people were like, "Oh my gosh, you're so flexible!" It's like, well, I danced my whole life, but I could. There's no way, no matter how much I stretched, how much I wanted it, how hard I worked at it. There's no way that I could be a contortionist. I'm not built that way. Um, so what I mean by you actually can't do anything that you put your mind to, it's more focusing on physical um, because you, you you are who you are. Can't change your bone structure. Mm-hmm. Can't do these things. Um, but in terms of, let's just say it's it's anything. Forget about the fact that I, I majority of people that try to go to the CrossFit Games will never go. Yeah. Um, and a great book to help you understand anything to do with athletics, yeah. things like that, is called The Sport Gene. Great book. I read that a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, don't be somebody who is so busy with your mind. If you're young and you, you want to be good at something, then be good at it. Do it. You know, my nephew, love him incredible bike rider downhill mountain bike his big goal is he wanted to do red bull rampage he's done all the old courses that's what he would always do he was on the enduro team um he got into mountain biking with my dad my brother's uh second list um when he was probably like seven had a bike was riding before that and you know growing up and then going to high school and he just one day because he cared about, got to a point where he, he used to never care about, he'd go and do it by himself. But then he got to a point where it's like, now, like, what are the friends doing? And so I had to, you know, it's like, I don't have kids, but watching him be so incredibly talented at something. And I told him, like, I will do whatever I can to help you. You know, something that was tough for him was having people that he could ride with here that are, are, are better than him, that he could actually, they would, you know, be nice enough to, like, let him come ride with them. Well, a really good friend of mine is married to the number one downhill rider. Mm. And I was, like, I was trying to set up a time to, like, take him out and ride with him. But he just, he lost it. He lost the, the desire and the drive to stick to it. And you just can't do that. Yeah. You know, if you, if you want something, that always has to be at the forefront of your mind. Um, I would tell you that to re- practice giving yourself grace when things don't go the way that you want them to 
because that will happen time and time and time again. And when you want to be something so bad or you want a certain job or you want a certain skill or you want to whatever it is when it's your heart desire, when you have a realization, I'll give you an example. Yeah. Say I go to a CrossFit competition, which I did. Um, I remember, and we'll just talk about the last one I did. Because it was, in 2018, I was petrified to, to, to try and qualify. I mean, I just had a spinal fusion. I happened end of March 31st. I didn't even get to start really working out till the end of September. And the season starts early February. So I didn't have a lot of time to try and go to the games, right? I had to understand, even when after surgery, when I started training again, I had to, I had to understand the reality. I had to be honest with myself. And it's a hard, hard truth to, for me to accept. Yeah. Because I had to accept that I will never be the athlete that I was. But that doesn't mean that I, I can't be better at, at other things. I just I had to let go of the athlete that I was because that was gone. Yeah, you know I had to start over. I had to had to do a, pr- a pull up for the first time. I literally for the first time gained strength back enough to even do a pull up. Um, you know, and that can be a very devastating. Like one way to look at that, and especially when I was in it, was so tough. In hindsight, or if I it could stand, even even in the moment, even I could stand outside myself and realize, like, this is ridiculous, that this is upsetting me so much. But it did, because it was everything I'd worked for, day in and day out for years. You know, and then all of a sudden it's taken from me. I'm forced to sit on the bench, not because I wanted to. I never even really hurt myself. So somewhere along the way, I must have, you know, got a bulge disc and then it got way, way, way worse. And I had to be able, I had to get to a point where I could accept the fact that how can I see the glass half full on all this stuff that feels like it's the worst thing ever, like life ruining, right? Because at that point, it's like, I'm a games athlete. Well, you have to learn that, you know, one, don't label yourself by what you do. You know, when that becomes your identity, it you can crumble yeah. so much faster. Anytime you have adversity, you'll you could crumble. Anytime you, you know, you think you're the best at this, and and you probably are, and and that's really great, and everyone needs confidence. But you go into an interview and you don't get the job because of X Y Z. Well, if you thought that if you were never honest with yourself about what you were like, where you could win it, where you could lose it, kind of a thing. Well, when you do have those moments where you're not going to win it, that will it breaks you, you know, and it's very hard to come back from that. I think that if you, if you want to be good at something or you want to be the best at something, you want to have, you know, some great career in some, some place, it's a matter of obviously never giving up. Yeah. It's being honest with yourself because you have to be honest with yourself because you, it's the only way you get better. And it's so funny. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I hate it because I wish that I could have understood it at a younger age, like everybody. You know, you have your parents that tell you certain things you're growing up about being an adult or life or whatever. And you're like, yeah, whatever, because you're a kid and you think you know everything. Yeah. Um, And then you grow up and you realize like, man, so I talk to my nieces and nephews because I'm just the aunt. And I'm like, no, I'm like, this is real shit. (laughs) Okay. What mom's saying, real. (laughs) Don't just think that you know it all. Or like the conversations I have to have with them about 
when we go walk, we go skiing, right? And if they're not good at it the first time, they never do it again. Because we it's like we want to be good at mm-hmm. things when we try them for the first time or we're in the beginning stages of doing them. But that just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, the reality is something that everybody knows, and it's so stupid I'm going to say it anyways, but you have a baby. Well, how's that baby learn how to walk? Crawls. Crawls. Because falls. It, it falls, walks, and tries again, and falls, and walks, and tries again, and they learn to talk. They learn to read and write. Well, they learn because they didn't know. So when we try new things, it does suck when we're not great at it yeah. from the start. Yeah. Because if you want to be great, well, of course you want to be great through all stages. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't lose that desire to be great either. But if you can be realistic and and vulnerable with yourself and honest, well, we have to learn how to do it. I, I really want to show horses. I want to learn I'm learning how to train my horse. Well, I'm not I don't know any of the stuff. Yeah. You know, and so I, I deal with so much stress and it's it's all meant so it's physical, but it's also mental. And there's so much going on and so many nuances with working with a horse and training and having to keep an eye on the tiniest little sh- um, uh, tells they'll give you their ears, their tail, their feet, their head, their nose, their mouth, their shoulder. You're, they're moving, they're moving. And I have to see everything. And I have to, you know, what I worry about is like if I don't, if I miss something, I'm, an, I'm making it harder for her. I'm going to make it harder and I'm going to ruin my horse. But the truth is, is like, well, I don't know how to do those things. And it's un- it's tough and there's times, that there are days that are better than other days. But that is how I get better. That is how I become great. That is how I become an expert. It's not because you're just like, you know what I want to do? I wanna, I'm going to be a hairstylist. No. And like you go to hair school and you're just like, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Everything you learn because you where did where'd you learn it? You didn't. Didn't. So you're going to have times where things are tough and you're going to have times that they do not turn out the way you want. I have started um, just a couple. So I, all in all, I have a, I have a podcast that's been going for. You've had it for a while. A couple time. hundred, po- a hundred, a hundred, 200 episodes, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. I'm starting a new one with AJ. Cool. Um, but podcast, I helped start a skincare company called Athea. I had my own clothing co- um clothing line for sportswear and swear and I actually I, I lose track of all the things I have going on and I lose track of the things I've done so we'll just stop there but with those with those ones at a certain point I chose to close them down because I had to I really you know I had to be honest with myself and the reality is like I don't want to because that feels like a failure yeah um well you're not I, you're taught that too right like yeah, you're so taught that, like don't yeah, give up it's a and you got to almost know, and this is something that I've thought about a lot, is you've got to know when to give up. Because we're taught, you just said it. Like somebody could take what you just said and like never give up. That's what you just said, right? It's true. But it's almost like you have to know when to give up. Mm-hmm. And that's a skill. Yeah. And it's hard because some people- And you people, usually learn that through failure. <laughs> <laughs> but there's some people will try and get you to fail or yeah. like try and get you to give up when you shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. So you have to be so clear up here- and let the emotion just right away, all the frustration, sadness, tears, all of that, pain, whatever, like maybe you're sore, whatever, injured, like you're injured. Yep. And you have to let that all go and just be like, okay, what do I want? What serves me? What fulfills me? What do I want? And that's a, a lot of the vein that we're talking about. But I think that's an important piece to pull out of this. Yeah. Well, and it's not just that. It's, it's knowing what you want, but then you have to be like, what am I willing to give up in order to have that thing? 
what am I willing to do yeah. in order to have that thing? Like, let's say if you want to go to the CrossFit Games, well, maybe not that. Let's say you, you're on a big weight loss, weight loss journey. Yeah. A conversation you usually have with someone is like, okay, well, you'll, you learn as someone working, coaching nutrition, you never believe the person when they tell you what they eat. Never. But all of that aside, you have a conversation with them at a certain point where it's like, okay, you know, what, what are some non-negotiables? Yeah. Do you have some non-negotiables? And in the beginning of your weight loss journey, you'll have, maybe you'll have more. Um, so with your coach, you will pick a few that like, okay, these are non-negotiables. Now let's adjust everything else. Right. So the same would be in a, um, your journey to your dream job yeah. or a sport or whatever. You're going to have to have, what are your non-negotiables? And where, what are you willing to give up? If you're trying to go to the CrossFit Games, you give up a lot. Mostly, and I'd say the most important, time. Yeah. Um, you have to be willing to be so dialed in on your training, on your recovery, on your diet, that you miss. You miss enjoying holidays. You miss enjoying, you miss, you miss things for training sessions. Now your time in the gym becomes you're 100% focused. That is your job. You know, I, was, I had a full-time job and I loved it. But it's like you have to be willing to let go of things that are important. And what's one thing too is stay aware. People lack self-awareness and awareness for other people. And you have to have that when you're going to be so focused, blinders on to like be the best. Um, depending on what you're working towards, you have to do this, yeah. right? You have to, yeah. but maintain some awareness to where at a certain point you can pay attention to what is the most important to me really right now, now yeah. at this point in my life. Because if you're, if you're at the top of your game, that's going to take precedent, especially because if you're at the top of your game in a sport, football, whatever, you're the man, yeah. you know? And it's very hard to imagine life where you're not. And I got, last I got given some advice, um, and this would actually be good for anyone who's, you know, on their way to just try to be the best yeah. whatever it is they want to do. A really good friend of mine, one of the first people I became close with in CrossFit, her name is Jenny LeBaugh, and she's awesome. Um, when I first started competing in California, because I started competing in Utah, but I did team, and I was also self, I was a full-time student, and I was the, I was the strong athlete at U CrossFit. So I was on the team. But I started competing. I moved to California and I decided I was going to try and do individual. Never had. Scary because it's painful. Scary because you're on your own. On a team, you got people there. They motivate you. You work right. together on a team. On an individual, it's all you. Yeah. And she said, be the person on the way up that you would want to be on the way down. You know, and that that is something that I think more people would really benefit from paying attention to and thinking about. Yeah. You know, we all have our bad moments and we all, we all, life is hard, man. And it's tough. And there's so many things that happen and can happen or potentially happen. Just stresses that on your nervous system, on your mind can really rock you. Um, but paying attention to who you are on your way up how you treat people, how people perceive you. I mean, there is something to where you can't care 
what people think about you. I mean, if we did that, then it's like well, we're just like all the kids nowadays and how I am and everybody is because all we have blasted to us is what we're supposed to be, yeah. right? How we should look, right. how we should dress and what's cool and what's lame and all these things. And like, you really do have to, not, you, you gotta, you know, not care about what people think, but care about what kind of an impact you're leaving on people. Yeah. Care about what kind of an impact you're leaving on your community of whatever, whether it's your sport or, uh, you know, I don't know, different clubs you could be in or your family or your neighborhood or your- Well, I don't know a lot of aunts as committed to their nieces and nephews as you just described. Like, that's pretty cool. Like, be committed to them. Be committed to your family. There, there's another question that comes to my mind, and I know we've been here a little bit, but I really want to ask this question before we end things. And I think, I, so I, I have a lot of people reach out to me and they'll say, Eric, how do you stay, like, I just had a couple this week. How do you stay committed to something? How do you stay dedicated? How do you stay disciplined? I think is the word that a lot of them used. Like I have these goals. I don't really know where to go. I don't really know where I'm going, but I want to stay committed to something. But how do I find what I want? And it's like, it's such an interesting question because in my life, there's been times where I've been crystal clear on what I want. And there's been times where then I achieve those goals. And then I'm left back to like this point of like, okay, now what? Yeah.